Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of Kidbrook's Insight podcast, covering the most prominent trends and the latest technological advancements in the rapidly transforming wealth management industry. I'm Zalia Gindulina, the head of business development, and I'm joined by Natalie Burek, our marketing expert. Hello, everybody. It's, um, we're thrilled to be here. We've reached, um, we're very excited, actually, because we've reached a small milestone. Today is our 10th episode. Hooray, I'm so excited that we made it to the 10th episode. I learned so much and what I enjoy the most about our podcast is that there is always something new to talk about. We have been talking about how financial institutions approach digitalization, how the global economy plunged into the inflation crisis, and how the world, wealth industry included, experiments with artificial intelligence. What about you, Natalie? What have you enjoyed the most? Yeah, it's been an incredible journey. And I really believe it's our guests and speakers that have made it so great. I mean, in over in over a little more than a year, we've had some really insightful discussions with quantitative finance specialists, mathematicians, and of of course, our customers talking about their experiences firsthand. Absolutely. It's a bit like giving ourselves a pat on the back, but uh, we have had unique insights covered in our pod so far. Uh, I mean, for example, Joachim Patterson sharing Scandia's story with Goodacre's audience is my favorite. Yeah, that episode was one of my favorites, actually. So if you haven't listened to it yet, please go ahead and find it wherever you listen to your podcast. I think it was episode eight, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, but yes, get to the end of this one first. Exactly. Do that after you've listened to this one that we're doing right now. So back to the topic for today's chat. We're talking about everything engagement in wealth management. We're discussing various ways that your business can keep your customers engaged at all stages of their financial journey. Yes, there are indeed many interesting points to make today regarding engagement. It's a, it is a very broad topic and one could approach engagement in several different ways. In our conversation today, we are going to take a closer look at the techniques that are in broad use in the industry already, those that are just picking up and those that we see quite a lot of potential in. Yeah, and we do know that consumers today are managing the largest part of their financial lives in a digital setting and managing your savings isn't what it used to be, is it? Yes, but some things have remained. It is still intimidating for many to invest without having an in-depth understanding of how financial markets operate. However, this took a turn when more financial services companies embraced the incorporation of gamification into the journeys. Um, this is essentially one way to do it. It is a simple and effective way to increase engagement and popularize finance. Elements such as points, badges and leaderboards were put into the financial context and gamification techniques has seen been gaining traction. In fact, according to markets and markets research, the global gamification market is set to grow from $9.1 billion in 2020 to $30.7 billion by 2020. 25. That's amazing, isn't it? In just five years. But there's been so much con controversy over gamification techniques to draw consumers in, hasn't there? 
That's very accurate. While adding such features enables wealth managers and execution platforms to step up on engagement, it's not always fun and games for users. There has been an increase in gamified financial apps, but they but these can also distract customers from taking uh, the risk involved in investing seriously, leading to poor decision making when, when uh, in regards to their financial situations. This in turn awakes the regulators. In the UK, for instance, uh, Financial Conduct Authority, Authority, the FCA, cracked down on game-like elements in trading uh, apps recently, uh, warning that they risk leading consumers to take action um, actions against their own financial interests. Uh, it is said that people using these features were more likely to invest in products beyond their risk appetites. So that does sound like gamification practices are irresponsible. But would you say that financial institutions should avoid them then? I guess it is much more complicated than that. Ideally, uh, we want to create engaging financial journeys that build customer loyalty and improve profitability of digitalized uh, business models. Uh, when used well, gamification can be a powerful tool for increasing access to financial services, improving financial literacy, and making the general experience much more enjoyable. In fact, a study by the University of London's Bayes Business School demonstrates that gamification techniques can encourage investors to lock away more of their earnings in investments. Hence, it is a tough balance to seek. Well, it seems like the problem with gamification is in its standard interpretation. So it's introducing game-like elements into non-game contexts. And that's the fact that it fails to address the core value that these services are providing, but serves it as a nice packaging of the user experience. Yes, indeed. And while I don't think that making financial um, journeys easier to navigate and more understandable and enjoyable to use is anything bad, it, just, it does seem like it's impossible to get the most out of the engaging gamified elements in financial journeys without enhancing the analytics behind them. To deliver truly responsible and engaging experiences, wealth managers or execution platforms should equip their digital um, and hybrid workflows with enhanced decision-making tools that help their clients make better informed financial decisions. I agree that this seems to be a way forward. Financial analytics driving the calculations behind the updated interfaces is critical for providing quality wealth management and brokerage services to customers. Yeah, and it really can bring so much more value than digital confetti after sending the purchase order. <laughs> Analytical elements can support personalized goal creation elements, empowering the customer to understand the services provided and form correct expectations of how their investments would perform over time. You can also tailor your analytics to support risk profiling questionnaires to include, for instance, numbers that make sense for a customer with a certain economic level. That will help clients receive a lot more value for their services. Absolutely. At the same time, at this point, it is essential to ensure that the supporting decision-making solution is granular enough to map a company's investment product universe to the underlying risk factors. If you miss the quality bit here, then the graph with the same assumptions for everything wouldn't be much better than another misleading game-like element. 
Yeah, sure. You should always um, ensure that your vendor devotes a lot of attention to maintaining and developing the underlying financial models, assumptions and tax rules. When we were building our financial simulation engine Outrank, we envisaged um, enabling wealth managers and brokerage firms to illustrate potential consequences of financial decision making on their platforms accurately and responsibly. Therefore, we ensure that our model quality and granularity are, are among the most superior and leading in the industry. It certainly helps to have a quantitative finance expertise in the background. Yeah, exactly. And it's very important for us at Kidbrook to develop this expertise over time. It's crucial. It's a crucial element of enabling our clients to provide their customers with a deeper understanding of their financial products and services. Of course, it's similar with um, engagement experiences in a financial context. Simulation tools like Kidbrook's Outrank help to improve the um, customer experience and drive the business results while ensuring that potential risks and challenges associated with gamification are carefully considered. I would just add that uh, providing engaging and interactive financial journeys and a responsible service that aids the customer to make educated financial decision uh, decisions will uh, gain much more customer loyalty compared to encouraging gambling or irresponsible behavior. Absolutely. And as the economy continues to slump, calls for investing apps to become more responsible are likely to amplify. In coming months, many consumers may turn to execution platforms and wealth managers as a way of offsetting the rising cost of living. If advisors can be equipped with the right tools and their platforms provide responsible and engaging technology, they can use this opportunity to expand their customer base and help more categories of consumers receive better informed financial decisions. Let's talk a little bit about the kinds of engaging experiences financial institutions could build with an uh, analytical suite, uh, suite such as uh, Outrank. At Kidbrook, uh, we categorize them into a pre- and after-purchase experiences. Yeah, so why do we classify them depending on a purchase point? There is a little bit of a difference in the purposes of these journeys, although they are both ultimately uh, they both ultimately intersect in generating demand for the financial services by fostering better understanding of the impact of the underlying financial decisions. The pre-purchase experiences uh, serve as a starting point for your institution's dialogue with a customer. Generally, we see many financial firms already providing a digital calculator at this point. The post-purchase experiences aim at enabling the customer to monitor the progress of their savings and act if needed. I believe there are many um, more things wealth managers and execution platforms can do in the post-purchase engagement domain. Okay, so let's begin with pre-purchase engagement. You've mentioned digital calculators. I believe they're there to help the customers understand the value of the services provided, yeah? Yeah, uh, digital calculators are a good example of teaser analytics, uh, which empowers the customers to learn more about the financial service and the products that a firm provides. As I mentioned before, these teasers are already quite common um, 
uh, elements of uh, digital onboarding experiences. But there is a huge degree of variance in quality of these teasers. So why do you think it's important to power this first touch point with accurate analytics? After all, at this point, the wealth manager wouldn't know much about the customer, would they? I believe it is quite an important point in a future relationship because you start building trust from this moment on. You're right. At this point, we don't know the details about the customer just yet. Uh, But we have seen our clients, the financial institutions of various sizes, create amazing uh, responsible teasers with very little information. That's how Scandi achieved this by um, introducing multiple stages to their onboarding journey. The digital pension journey starts with analytics that requires only two inputs, um, the salary and the age of the user. The other elements of the forecast are filled with uh, population averages, but the projections are smart nonetheless. They they incorporate, uh, for instance, the inflation over time, the salary projections, life expectancy parameters, everything that you would expect from a responsible insurer to consider in a pension planning context. Okay, that's really interesting. So is there anything else that could be done using analytics with respect to pre-purchase engagement? Absolutely. A good teaser is only a starting point helping clients deepen the understanding of their financial situation. Uh, the available uh, investment products and the service uh, a financial firm provides. As they move through the journey, uh, they provide more information about themselves, uh, enabling the financial institution to create an accurate picture of their economic life and more tailored projections. When it comes to risk profiling, financial analytics can also help customers gauge their appetites for risk and reward by, for instance, adjusting the numbers in the questionnaires to fit the income brackets of a customer, as you mentioned before. Um, At this stage, it is paramount to provide the client with an environment to formulate their objectives and explain various investment options in a visual and intuitive manner. The financial analytics suites uh, like ours Uh, helps um, wealth managers, banks, insurers, and brokerage firms to provide high-quality goal-planning elements, guiding the customer to understand how engagement with a firm would help them achieve their financial goals. So during an onboarding journey, a potential customer can gauge a rough estimate of the value um, a financial institution can provide for them, gradually receiving more tailored forecasts as they navigate and continue through their journey, ending with personalised regulated advice. Exactly. Of course, depending on the desired regulatory setup, uh, we have experience in helping our customers design financial guidance journeys. Ultimately, a financial institution would use the same engine both for the teasers and for for calculating how much the customer would need to save to achieve their goals and which financial products would suit them the most. Cool. Okay. So I believe this is the perfect segue to talk about consistency as part of the overall experience. What should a financial institution take away here? You're right. It's a perfect time to mention another best practice when it comes to the quality of customer experiences in our field um, that can only be achieved by using state-of-the-art analytics tools, the consistency. I wouldn't say it is only limited to pre-purchase experiences. It is critical throughout the entire experience of engagement with these firms. Wealth managers should establish uh, the calculations powering their services 
to create a seamless experience where numbers make sense from one step to another across all channels, online, by phone, face-to-face. Otherwise, one could end up with a fragmented and confusing journey that could only damage your brand. Yeah, exactly. And we've helped several financial institutions, haven't we? For instance, Scandia and Hire Insurance. So to um, to help them build these journeys, some of these journeys have been in use for years now with Scandia's pension planning journey going live in summer 2020. Were there any learnings related to the uh, pre-purchase engagement that you could share with us today? Oh, there were many learnings. I guess uh, if our listeners are interested, I would refer them back to the interview with Scandia in earlier episode. It was number eight, right? Um, But Uh, If I could choose one learning, uh, which we thought was uh, particularly exciting, in our experience, a retail investor would often start engaging with uh, digital channels, even though they were planning to contact their uh, advisor in person. So digital channels in the multi-channel context serve as an important activation tool, helping your customer learn about the solution and contact the advisor uh, through other channels should they need assistance. But um, I'm actually looking forward to talk uh, about another type of uh, analytics-fueled engagement. And I know you've prepared for that part today, Natalie. (laughs) Many uh, wealth management firms uh, let go of a customer after they execute, after they purchase, missing out on a great opportunity to keep customers engaged, to encourage repeat business and strengthen the brand. How to engage customers at this stage if we are looking into experiences driven by analytics. Yes, yeah, so it's imp- it's important to continue supporting clients on an ongoing basis, not just up to the point they execute your service. So there are many strategies to pursue to build engagement around the core value after the purchase. They can revolve around aiding investors set up new realistic financial targets, tracking the progress cr- get my words out, the progress of existing goals and helping them reach their milestones. Now, one key feature of simulation engines like Outrank is the ability to analyse customers' financial situations on an ongoing basis, considering their finances on a holistic level. That means if your customer has a mortgage with you and, for instance, a pension plan, our simulation engine would be able to incorporate it in the analysis. I can already envision many journeys built based on that. Um, Could that be used to encourage the investors to be more proactive with their savings? Absolutely. So with a financial simulation engine such as Outrank, you can improve your platform's user experience to include tools enabling the customer to perform what-if scenarios and evaluate their portfolios on demand. Wealth managers can also encourage customers to learn more about their finances by sending relevant and actionable notifications, suggesting personalised strategies guiding the clients to achieve their goals. For instance, perhaps it's noted that a customer has had a salary increase, so it could help them to achieve their goals perhaps even more quickly if they invested a little bit more. Or you can update your customers if their investments have drifted from their desired risk levels. 
I can only imagine that it must be a fantastic tool for marketers. It is indeed. When it comes to uh, any engagement, the collaboration with your marketing department is key. By harnessing the power of personalised analytics, wealth managers can build lasting relationships with their clients. They can personalise their marketing by linking it to actual challenges they believe their clients are experiencing. And this strategy can take the form of recommending educational resources based on customers' financial situations. So do I understand it correctly that by sending more relevant articles, videos and other resources uh, on personal uh, personal finance, investing and retirement planning, institutions can nurture relationships with their customers? Exactly. And nurture repeat business, of course. At Kidbrook, we also continually, continuously work on our APIs to take these engagement techniques further. One way we do this is by collaborating with master level STEM students on an ongoing basis as part of our R&D activities. One of our latest projects uh, in that area was equipping Outrank with proprietary proprietary machine learning driven clustering technology to enable banks, um, insurers and wealth managers to better suggest investment deals to customers. This can include recommending financial products similar to their existing holdings, but with a more sustainable profile managed by a different dealer or if relevant with lower fees. On the mention of clustering there, perhaps you can elaborate on this technique, Zalia. Sure. Always excited to talk about new tech here. Um, Often the search or recommendation techniques used in the industry rely on using metadata of the mutual funds, such as region, category or investment objective. While grouping mutual funds in this way may provide investors with a convenient way to explore funds that aligned with their preferences and investment strategy, this method of recommendation uh, has some potential limitations and risks. Uh, For example, there is a risk of uh, oversimplification of the funds themselves. Uh, Funds in groups uh, may share a common region, category or asset type, uh, but can differ significantly in terms of performance, risk and management style. Investors uh, may also become overconfident in the diversity of their portfolio by relying too much on picking mutual mutual funds uh, from different regions or categories. So the alternative that we recently explored um, with our thesis students uh, was to opt for clustering. Clustering is an unsupervised machine learning method that uh, divides a data set into smaller groups, clusters. Uh, This task is performed by clustering methods and uses data on the mutual fund's historical performance. Clustering methods work by defining some measure of similarity or dissimilarity between the funds and groups similar together uh, uh, and group similar funds together and dissimilar funds in separate clusters. By clustering mutual funds um, using some measure of correlation, investors can gain valuable insight into the relationships and dependencies of the mutual funds. By selecting mutual funds from different clusters, the investor can thus create a diversified portfolio based on historical performance rather than classification. While Selecting an appropriate clustering method is a process that requires taking a few extra steps to achieve 
optimal results. There are many benefits to using clustering over grouping mutual funds using metadata. You can, of course, read more about clustering um, technique in our recent blog on the website. Yeah, sure. Thank you for explaining that, Zalia. And yes, we will definitely include the link of the guest post um, by our thesis student in the podcast description. So I guess we can conclude that with machine learning technology being more prevalent, there will be more intelligent and responsible ways to engage your potential and existing customers. But just to recap, what's your take on gamification, Zalia? I believe it helps to define gamification before coming up with an answer. Um, In a discussion between the American regulators on these techniques um, and how we defined these capabilities earlier in the podcast, uh, gamification is using the game-like elements in non-game contexts. Of course, some of these game-like elements make total sense for the financial journeys. That would be tracking the progress and coming up with some saving milestones. Other methods may be more questionable, such as prompting the user to use social media for financial advice or misleading them by showing irresponsible forecasts. Uh, We have spoken to a few industry professionals uh, from investment brokerage firms saying that misuse of these methods may cause more uh, new customers to churn eventually due to making too many bad financial decisions too soon or due to being uh, led by unrealistic expectations. So I guess our message throughout a few months that we have been uh, talking about gamification is that uh, there is a way to make these journeys more responsible and engaging by helping the customers to form realistic expectations about uh, the instruments and services that they're selecting Um, And that would have to include high quality financial analytics. Yeah, I agree. In the end, it's all about delivering value and building trust, isn't it? And therefore, the financial institutions should choose engagement strategies that support their core value and contribute to building a favorable environment for a long term relationship. Yeah, so that was it for today. And we hope you enjoyed our podcast and we'll listen uh, in again next month. You can find all the articles we mentioned today in the podcast description. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter and social media channels to stay updated. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are joining from. Bye-bye, everyone. Have a great... uh, Enjoy the rest of your summer. Bye-bye.